0: Hello and welcome to my podcast, From Trauma to Triumph. I am Leah Bandola and your host. My mission is to help people heal their past so that they can unleash their brilliant future. I am a trauma release specialist, empowerment coach, and cognitive behavior therapist. I am also a published author with three book publications and a professional speaker. This podcast delves into the world of trauma and it is a big world. There are so many aspects to trauma and how it affects us in our lives. And each episode will give you more information, examples, stories, and strategies to help you understand trauma better and how to release the hold that it has on us. Let's jump into today's episode. Well, hello and welcome to episode five we all have collective or societal trauma so last week i said i would talk about collective trauma this week and so that is what i'm going to do um this is just like so many other aspects of trauma it is such a big topic uh, to go into any great depth here but i wanted to give you just some concepts about this particular form of trauma because i really truly believe we all have experienced this um, in our past uh, and maybe presently. And you'll understand what I mean by that in a second. So a formal definition of uh, collective trauma is that it refers to the psychological reactions to a traumatic event that affects an entire society. And it doesn't merely uh, reflect a historical fact, it's the recollection of a terrible event that happened to a group of people. So it suggests that the tragedy is represented in the collective memory of the group. And like all forms of memory, it you know comprises not only um, a reproduction of the events, but also an ongoing reconstruction of the trauma in an attempt to make sense of it. Collective trauma, uh, sorry, collective memory of trauma is different from individual memory because collective memory persists beyond the lives of the direct survivors of the events and is remembered by group members that may be far removed from the traumatic events in time and space. So these subsequent generations of trauma survivors that never witnessed the actual events may remember the events differently than the direct survivors. And then the construction of these past events may take different shape and form from generation to generation. So in a nutshell, it's basically saying that it is the Um, perceptions, and then recordings, and then the telling of it um, by a group of people um, that gets passed down from generation to generation. What really it is is, you know, collective trauma refers to a traumatic event that is shared by a group of people. It may involve a small group like a family. This would be things like the death of a loved one, abuse, you know, fire in the home, or it may involve an entire society. Traumatic events that affect uh, groups can include plane crashes, natural disasters, mass shootings, famine, war, or pandemics. Well-known collective traumas include American slavery, the Holocaust, the atomic bombings of Hiroshima and Nagasaki. Nagasaki, I knew I was gonna mess that one up. The attack on Pearl Harbor, the September 11 terrorist attacks in the US, and now, of course, the COVID-19 pandemic. And then there's the indigenous atrocities that are back in the spotlight, thankfully. There are the countless group traumas as a result of systemic racism particularly the heightened racial attacks that we saw this past year, white supremacy, attacks on sexuality and gender identity, patriarchy, inequity for a number of large groups, especially women, the largest group, and the list is almost endless. And a key factor that is a part of many of these types of trauma is that there is an intent to dehumanize entire groups of people a very real and very big resulting sub trauma and way too big (laughs) to talk about today, but I will definitely address this further at another time. So traumatic experiences may cause a massive shift in the way people in a culture behave, feel, work together and raise their children when trauma is shared by entire groups or populations the impact it has on mental health can vary greatly from individual to individual but there is typically a shared agreement among the among most people that the experience has affected their psychological well-being in one way or another the pandemic has shown us that some people were greatly affected by fear and uncertainty while others weren't that affected by it or were but to a much lesser degree and as we open up more and more different people are responding differently depending on their experience of the pandemic and its impact on them mentally and emotionally again some are very excited to be being able to do more hug more and so on and some people are just not ready to go there yet sometimes the shared pain leads to solidarity that promotes healing because individuals may defend against a common experience and find meaning in their experience together. Think about the Me Too movement or Black Lives Matter and countless other movements and platforms that have been created as a result of collective trauma. Some studies have found that shared pain can actually help some groups band together. This is why group therapy can be very effective or specific uh, groups for changing uh, collective issues like addictions, um, think AA, or dementia, Alzheimer's, or many other diseases. So the negative responses to collective trauma um, also have a huge impact on um, how the entire community um, may be experiencing it. You know, the entire community experiences the same types of symptoms. And then when, when an entire society is traumatized, healing becomes more difficult. Think about the wildfires, some of which have destroyed entire towns, earthquakes, floods, hurricanes, etc. Large parts of the population are affected. And that includes the people who may be the ones who would normally provide treatment or help first responders. Again, most recently with the pandemic, we saw frontline workers trying to help those in need, but they were suffering terribly themselves. And sadly, in some cases, they just couldn't cope anymore. And some went so far as to commit suicide. That was one of the saddest things that I was hearing. I mean, there was many sad things, but, you know, to think that people were so overwrought and overrun with their emotions that they didn't even feel they could be here anymore. And, you know, when you're surrounded by friends and family who are struggling with symptoms, you might be more likely to take on those symptoms yourself. This experience is very common and referred to as vicarious trauma. So you're just taking on kind of what somebody else in your life or around you is experiencing or responding in their way, you take that on as well. Pain may be widespread and unhelpful responses may become normalized. An entire society may begin to hoard food after a famine, for example, even when food is plentiful. Remember the whole toilet paper dilemma at the beginning of the pandemic? That's a good illustration of this. Anxiety may be contagious because everyone begins to live in a state of chronic stress. Individuals may suffer and entire communities may struggle to move forward. People don't necessarily need to have experienced the event firsthand in order to be changed by it. Watching the events unfold on the news can be traumatic, for example, especially when there is the constant onslaught of news and social media that adds to the trauma or for some can create trauma when there may not have been any until, you know, we watch that repeated footage or see repeated posts on social media um, that in a way just keeps re-traumatizing us. I remember when um, 9-11 happened September 11th and um you know, watching those buildings come down in New York City. And of course, it was horrific to watch it the first time. But then they kept repeating it, and repeating it, and repeating it. And I remember by the end of the night, and I kept watching, <laughs> I said, there were points where I was like, why are we watching this? Like, stop watching. But, you know, we, 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 wanted to get more information and what was happening and and but it's like you know you you almost can't stop watching because it it i don't know you're trying to make sense of it i guess but i i just remember the impact of seeing that over and over and then of course for years you know um every anniversary we were seeing it all over again so then it's just re-traumatizing us yet again And, uh, and even with the pandemic, you know, that was happening and, um, you know, lots of other events that the news, I mean, this is how they make money, frankly. (laughs) So, so, you know, it, it starts off with informing, but then it's like this repeated over and over and over and over and over again. And it's not healthy for anybody. So I want to talk a little bit about intergenerational trauma or ancestral trauma, and this is, this is really fascinating. Um, people who have endured traumatic experiences may pass their trauma responses on to the next generation. This can be seen in families. A parent who experienced significant abuse as a child may raise children who are fearful and anxious, for example, even if they are not abusive towards them themselves. However, intergenerational trauma can also be seen in societies as a whole. People who survived genocide, for example, may go on to raise children who exhibit symptoms of being traumatized, even though they weren't actually present for the traumatic event. My parents lived during the second world war and while they didn't talk much about their experiences and they were quite young, I later did hear some horrific stories from my mom and other relatives about the scarcity of food, the fear of being raped by soldiers. My mother's family, my, her parents, um, went to great lengths to protect her because there was a fear that she, she being a young girl, um, could be raped by the soldiers, um, and and also the pillaging by soldiers. They would just you know, go into the homes and take whatever they wanted. And we've seen a lot of these depictions in uh, movies and shows. But, you know, when you have someone in your family who has directly lived some of these, um, then it it does, it's in your DNA. <laughs> it's like almost literally in your DNA and, uh, and it gets passed down from generation to generation. The trauma does. Um, you know, especially when it's events where there is such a great sense uh, and fear of being unsafe, which is pretty much every trauma, but you know, some that are, um, have the unspeakable events that happened, um, you know, the Holocaust of course is one of the greatest ones that, um, just, you know, you can't even imagine the experiences, but the, the families of those people have gone on to say that they did feel the effects, even though they did not experience them directly. I recently learned about ancestral trauma um, through a book. I'm going to mention it um, a little bit later in the resources I'm going to give you, but i um, it really made a connection for me between my slight overstocking of food. Now my kids might define it a little differently. Um, and what I now know is an ancestral trauma. Um, and I think it was honestly directly related to my parents' experience. Also, they didn't have a lot growing up and, um, And so there were fears at times, not even just during the war, that there wasn't enough food or they had to, you know, trade foods like, um, you know, somebody raised chickens and somebody else had wheat and they made bread, then they would trade. And, you know, this is how people lived long ago. Um, But for me, there is a direct correlation with that. And what I realized after learning more about it is I think my Overstocking of food, I choose to call it that rather than hoarding, because it's not hoarding, because we actually do use it eventually, (laughs) Um, is directly related to that. And it's that, you know, ancestral trauma that instilled like a fear that there would not be enough. Or if a disaster happened, we needed to be well prepared. And, and you know what? Guess what? When the pandemic hit, and the shelves were a little less stocked of some things and you know or when it you know wasn't so easy to go out and shop I was not worried in the least (laughs) so you know I really only had to go out and get like fresh fruits and vegetables and you know milk that kind of stuff and eggs but but we were very well stocked in the um non-perishable uh category And honestly, I think I've probably had enough, not just for us, but for most of my family and probably most of my neighbors as well. And I can laugh about it now. I mean, I used to be really embarrassed by it because I didn't know why it was so important for me to make sure I always had certain things stocked and a lot of it, you know, like not just, you know, one or two cans of, of soup. It had to be, you know, 10 cans of soup or whatever right and then when I learned more about this and read you know the traits of ancestral trauma I was like oh okay now this is kind of making sense and and I realized that it could just be something that um was very long ago um just ingrained in me like obviously very unconsciously so there you have it. Um, And it's not just me. (laughs) So there was a study that found that intergenerational trauma was occurring in the Ukraine. Individuals who survived Holodomor, the mass starvation of millions of Soviet Ukrainians from 1932 to 1933, seemed to pass their trauma onto their children and grandchildren. A 2020 study, so not that long ago, found that issues such as risky health behaviors, anxiety and shame, food hoarding, overeating, authoritarian parenting styles, high emotional neediness and low community trust were passed on from one generation to the next. The younger generation seemed to be in survival mode, even though they were safe. And that's kind of what I feel like my experience is. Communities who survive traumatic experiences, ranging from mass shootings to natural disasters, may pass on their traumatic responses to younger generations. The stories they tell and the behaviors they exhibit may cause younger generations to behave as if they experienced the trauma as well. Some research, research indicates that trauma responses that can be passed down from one generation to the next aren't just psychological or behavioral. They may be biological consequences from the trauma as well. And that's, you know, going pretty deep into genetics and um, epigenetics and, and that whole world. Um, but I truly do believe there is a, a big, big connection um, biologically that, um, that connects us to our ancestors' traumas. A study that examined the lifespans of Civil War POWs, prisoners of war, found that soldiers who were kept in harsher conditions had sons who died at a younger age. Researchers found that the sons of the ex POWs imprisoned when camp conditions were at their worst were 1.1 times more likely to die by the age of 45 than sons of non-POWs and 1.09 times more likely to die than the sons of ex-POWs when camp conditions were better. Isn't that crazy? That just blew my mind when I read that. I was like, wow. <laughs> That's, and, uh, and so what they've seen is you know, paternal ex-POW status did not have any impact on the lifespans of daughters. Again, very interesting. Uh, The authors of the study suspect that the father's biology was impacted and trauma had a genetic effect on their sons. And in addition to these studies, you know, intergenerational trauma often occurs routinely in our society due to poverty, incarceration, community violence, and abuse that goes on in families there is a lot more but i think this gives you an idea of how collective trauma affects us all and like i said in the title i really do believe that we have all experienced some kind of collective or societal trauma and so what's the point of knowing all of this well (laughs) the point is that if we can approach these types of trauma from a bit of a different perspective um in that you know we really truly are all in this together there was um something else that you know i came across in um in a lot of the research that i was doing and the work that i've been doing Um, and that is that you know this big factor that is a part of um these types of trauma in that they the intent is to dehumanize entire groups of people and it's a very real and very big resulting sub trauma way too big to talk about today but i will definitely address this further at another time but i want you to think about what i just said in in that when entire populations are you know, made to feel less than human, which we all are, regardless of what your race or gender, nationality, you know, color of your skin, we are all human. But there are entire massive groups out there that would have some believe that some of these populations are less than human. And this is why this has gone on for so long. But what that does to the individual person is it has them believing um, if it's gone on long enough, certainly that maybe they're in. And again, this is subconscious, but that there's some truth to that, that they are less than human. And that is a massive, massive trauma that affects every single part of of a person's life and so i do want to delve into that a little bit more but you know as i said it's, a, it's again a very 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 big topic um but i just wanted to plant that little seed for you and maybe have you thinking with a different perspective of you know why some of these um atrocities that we see um you know of course most recently Uh, here in Canada, the situation with the indigenous and um, the finding of more and more um, mass graves, unmarked graves, um, that, you know, that all was able to happen because somebody or multiple somebodies believed that they were not, that they were subpar humans, let's say which is really dehumanizing that we the collective we that you know had this all happening were somehow better than the people that they did these things to and this is why so many different things that are happening in the world right now still have been happening for hundreds of years and are still happening um And I think in great part because the people that are doing it do not truly believe that the people they're doing it to are as human as they are. So yeah, heavy and big, but these are things that we need to really start talking about a lot more. Um, So, you know, I'm doing my part here (laughs) with this little podcast. So I want to leave you with some resources as I always do. Um, and the resources for this week that are de- directly related, of course, to this week's topic, um, a couple of um, uh, reading resources. So, the, so the, the one that I alluded to earlier with that I learned about the more about the ancestral trauma is called Taming Your Dragons. And it's by Dr. Daniel Amen. And I'm pretty sure I mentioned this book before, but he has... Um, in a very interesting way, kind of attached different dra- uh, different um, dragons, to different um, uh, like personality traits and, and behaviors and things that we do. Um, but pretty much all of them are as a result of some trauma in life at some point. So um, it's a very, very interesting and very enlightening read. So I highly recommend that. And then Brene Brown, anything by Brene Brown that you can get your hands on will uh, tell you so much more about uh, she, I call her the trauma and shame queen um, because, and she's done a ton of research. That's what she is. She's a researcher um, amongst other things, but, um, but she's got pod up. a couple of podcasts now, I believe, and lots and lots of books and TED talks and lots on YouTube. So if you Google Brene Brown, you're going to have a ton of stuff uh, come up. But I love her style. Um, and uh, she, she just really um, talks about it in a way that really resonates with pretty much every person who, that I know that has ever, ever heard her or read any of her books. And the other thing that I really would like to see you doing is to do a news and social media fast or detox. Now, what do I mean by that? Well, as I spoke about earlier, sometimes the trauma um, can either even just, you know, originate with what we're seeing on the news, um, but also, you know, it can, just keeps it going and it's just a, a an onslaught, right? So I've had to do this many times. I mean, I'm, you know, often doing little media uh fasts or detoxes. Um, especially, you know, when there's a very large uh trauma that's happening collectively and in society. Um, 911, of course, was a big one. And um you know, the pandemic. And it's not that I don't want to know, because I do, I want to be informed. But I think, you know, I remember saying to somebody, um, I don't need to watch the news, because I'm sure if something really big happened, somebody's going to let me know. I know quite a few people. (laughs) So, So I had to pull myself away because I realized that it was impacting me um in a very negative way and also just preventing me from doing some of the things that make me feel good or that I enjoy or work or you know all kinds of things. I don't need to be sitting in front of the news three, four or five times a day. Um so you know it's, it's a good idea to just, if you are a real kind of news person, um, I'm just going to suggest that you do wean yourself a little bit away from that. Um, what I did was I just decided that I would only watch the news one time a day and not at 11 o'clock, although I do fall back to that fair bit, um, lately, but not, you know, I'm, I'm trying to not do that so much. Um, So if I do watch the news, it'll be if I can at noon, I can't always do that or at six o'clock. But even just I just get the highlights at the beginning and then that's it. We're done Um, because it just wasn't impacting me in a good way. And social media can be the same. Like you got to be careful with what you're consuming, um, whether it's social media or in other ways. So that's what I'm going to leave you with today. Hope this was helpful and we shall chat again. Bye for now. Thanks so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. If you did, please subscribe or follow me so you don't miss a single episode. If you wanna go deeper in your healing, you can book a free discovery session with me and learn more about my unique strategy to unlock the real you through my Unearth, Uncover, and Unleash three-part system to discover and heal your past and present trauma and become empowered to live your best life. Go to my website, lifelessons.ca or contact me directly at leah at lifelessons.ca to book your session. You can also find me on social media. My links are all on my podcast page. And while you're there, I would love it if you would leave a review, good or bad. I want to know how I can make this podcast just what you need it to be. And if you love it, I definitely want to hear that. You can also leave a review on whatever platform you are listening on. Until next time, grab some joy wherever you can. Bye for now.